Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you listen to this message. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Yeah, don't all answer at once. Hey, it's good to see you. Uh, yeah, I was talking with Pastor Josh uh, yesterday afternoon. He said, I, I am going to preach next Sunday, even if I have to come in a hazmat suit. <laughs> so, yeah, they've been, they're a close family, and they've just been sharing, you know. They've just been sharing this bug that's going around, but they're doing, they're doing better, and it's going to be over with here pretty quick. Uh, man, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm voting that it be over with permanently. I mean, honestly, it's, uh, it kind of reminds me of being in a foreign country right now because a lot of people live with this kind of fear all the time. And uh, it's more fear than it is a problem, ultimately. And even this latest outbreak, I think, may be the end of it, uh, according to what some of the immuno- immunologists are saying. And so we're thankful for that. It's time to be done with it. And uh, praise God, we've got to get on with it. Uh, I want to share a little story with you today or a little message with you today that's really always on my heart, but especially this time of year. I've, I've thought about this so much, and it's just part of my mentality that the Lord has developed over the years. And I have entitled this message, It Was a Miracle, and then it was Monday. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm saying? You know, you, you go through all of this stuff. Uh, with the Lord, it is so awesome, and you're on, on, the, on, the, on the edge of your seat, and then, and then Monday comes. And uh, there's so many times, like even with the Christmas stuff, I mean, we, we get ramped up, we're, we're spending money like it was ours, and, and, and uh, you know, we, and then the bill comes, and reality sets in. You know, we really didn't need that like we thought we needed that. Or, you know, those kids didn't need that third Barbie house or whatever. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things that life kind of looks different after the enthusiasm wanes. Uh, have you ever been through a moment where you had adrenaline really, really heavy? You know, I took my little grandson deer hunting, and, um, and uh, it was one of those moments where this deer showed up at the last minute. It was almost getting dark, and it was a big buck, and he'd been talking about and praying for a buck all year long. And, and he's sitting on my lap trying to get steady, and, we're, and there's all kind of activity out in front of us with other deer. And it was just it was one we had to be done here really, really quick, and he finally pulled the trigger, and he got that deer. And... Uh, yeah, praise God. It was a glorious moment. It's a glorious moment. And then we were walking over to the deer, and he says, my legs feel like jello. You know, you know, I said the adrenaline rush is over. And it's a, life can be like that. You know, you're going through all, and you're anticipating. And, and then at the end of the day, when, when things settle back down, it's kind of a downer. And I, I want to point out to you today in the aftermath of the Christmas story how that was the case. And most of life is lived in that, in that space. You can't live on adrenaline all the time even though we're attempting to do it in our culture. It's just amazing how life relentlessly swings between its polar extremes, sometimes in a single day. We can sometimes go from awesome to awful or vice versa, in an incredibly brief period of time. No matter how wonderful the vacation or how devastating a sudden tragedy, sooner or later, we seem destined to return to the more familiar and likely more mundane rhythms of life. 
The everyday type of stuff can seem almost mind-numbing at times. Life does tend to get a bit too bland occasionally. And even those times have their place. Like it or not, this is where a lot of life is lived. Contrary to what we may observe on Instagram, by the way. We shouldn't write off times like this as the boring part we have to endure just to get to the weekend. This is the part of life where character, values, and life skills are developed and hopefully become habit. This is a place where we are prepared to face the highs and the lows of life and to pass through them successfully. In reality, our destinies are often determined by what we do in those moments when we could easily have concluded that nothing much was happening. It would, it would like, I would like us to look a bit more carefully this morning at the latter part of the Christmas story and glean some life lessons that will help us keep our Mondays in perspective. It's important to take note of the fact that after a relatively brief flurry of amazingly exciting angelic visitations, prophetic utterances, and dreams surrounding the births of John the Baptist and Jesus, that things pretty quickly settled back into more of a routine. Admittedly, there were moments when they were reminded of the amazing journey they'd been invited into, but for the most part, it would appear that the next 30 years were pretty mundane, quiet, even in spite of the momentous thing that was happening, they would go back to being normal. Am I talking to the right group? This is a situation that often causes people to get desperate, make things happen, make up the Lord told me's. I don't know if I'm talking to the right crowd at all with that, but I know a lot of folks that have announced the Lord has told me, the Lord has spoken, he's done this, when the Lord had no part in it. It was hope so or enthusiasm or whatever it might be, but the bottom line is he does speak. And when he speaks, what he says happens. So we live in this place where the normalcy sometimes can force us to be uh, desirous of that which God is not even doing. Now, I could, I could go there all day, but I'm not going to. Aren't you glad? Uh, you know, it, it would be overstating the case to say that in these many quiet years that God was crafting his most important contribution to mankind since creation. Yet, he was hidden away in a poor, unimportant town, besieged by a brutal enemy, and even his human mentors and caretakers were people whose credentials would have been considered as less than impressive. Just amazing, isn't it? The creator himself, the king of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God, all the names attached to him, grew up in like Ava. <laughs> or smaller really than that. Uh, it didn't even really appear on anybody's mind when they thought of that country. And the people that raised him were blue collar at best. They were uneducated. They had no real role in their, in their society. They were not thought of when people thought of great people. And the Lord submerged the greatest, most powerful individual that there ever has been into that place to develop him. 
The Bible talks about him learning obedience by the things he suffered. That's going to be one of my first questions when I get to heaven. Because Lord, talk to me about what caused you to suffer. Did Joseph ever spank your rear? Did you ever not get what you wanted? Did you get passed by when they were choosing teams at the local school? What, what was it that, 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 that schooled you? Because the Bible says it did. I wonder how many of the things that we count as, as a bummer, as, as unfair, as painful, as hurtful, as offensive... We have a society that's taken its doctrine in being offended. Well, you know what? The world is full of it. It always will be. It's a fallen place, so why should we be amazed by any of this? What I'm saying to you in this moment is not in the notes, but, uh, you know, I'm just going to blame it on the Lord. (laughs) Some of that stuff that you're offended by Maybe causing you to learn obedience. Maybe knocking a few rough edges off of us where we have become pretty proud of ourselves. There's nothing like spending about a week in bed that will make you rethink your priorities. There's nothing about dealing with the proximity of death in our personal lives that makes us kind of reevaluate our priorities. I'm just saying there's an awful lot about this tough stuff of life that makes people what they are, positively or negatively. But there is nothing you're going to go through that God will not use if you commit the thing to him to receive what he's trying to teach when you're not in charge anymore. If we had a second service, I'm pretty sure it would be for them. And since we don't today, it's got to be you, the target on your back. It's me too, I might add. You know, we don't really have a lot of information about those early years in Jesus' life, but we can learn something about the trajectory of the process from the biblical account that immediately follows the story of Jesus' birth. As we look at the second chapters of both Matthew and Luke, we can see several practices that will help us navigate the essential transitions between the big days and our Mondays. We may even conclude that in a very real sense, what goes on in our everyday lives is really a bigger deal than we thought. Number one, it's always spiritual, quote unquote, to take care of business. Even in a great visitation from God, Even a great visitation from God does not absolve us of normal responsibilities. Back in the day in the Jesus movement, we often heard people say, uh, because uh, they'd been in the church maybe for many years, and a bunch of us were just coming in, we were very excited that we were so spiritual. We didn't think we should even go to college or get married because Jesus was coming back really soon. And it felt that way. It really does. And they used to tell us that you are so spiritually minded, you're no earthly good. That was more true than we'd like to admit. And now that we're older, 
looking back, we're saying, boy, we blew it in a lot of ways. Joseph and Mary, for instance, Matthew 2.11, it says that they actually were living in a house. We sometimes think that they, they went to the manger scene there and then they went immediately to Egypt after the wise men came and gave them gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but that's not what happened. We, we, can, we just, can we just dissolve the Hallmark Christmas card mentality? A lot of that is foolishness. What happened here was real life. We've got a teenage couple on their own, maybe 14, 15 for Mary, maybe 16, 18 for, for Joseph. We don't know, but they were young. And they went on that trip by themselves, and now they've had a baby. And uh, they're having to set up housekeeping, and, and so we'll, we'll find out how we prove that later on, but just mark my words, it happened. Since they were there for an extended period of time, Joseph probably had to find work, and Mary would have taken on the duties of caring for a newborn and juggling household responsibilities. So just, just realize, angels weren't there to help with the midnight feeding, nor did they change the diapers, and they didn't have huggies in those days. We're talking about real world stuff here. Number two, it's critical to observe the practices taught in Scripture. Obedience to the Word of God should be basic to everyone regardless of who or what they might be. In Luke 2.21, we see an example of that. Luke 2.21 talks about the fact that uh, there, there, were, there were responsibilities and obligations in the law that uh, Mary and Joseph uh, obligated themselves to keep. And in verse uh, 21, it says, And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And so they, they took him after eight days to become circumcised in the temple. And so we know that they were there uh, in, a, in a very tumultuous time. Uh, this was a kind of a scary moment for them, and possibly the word was out because the shepherds, which were an amazingly ridiculous audience for an angel choir, think about that. These shepherds, we see them on the Hallmark cards, and they're standing there very stately with beautiful robes and trim beards. <laughs> and these guys were camping out with sheep. And these things, historic, these people historically were known to be of such a low class that they wouldn't even be allowed to testify in Jewish courts. I mean, these guys were nobody. And yet, when the angels were sent from heaven to announce the birth of the Savior of the world and sing a concert, they chose the audience of these guys. And they went about, it says, telling everyone. And Herod was a horrible king. He was a vassal king. He was a perverted man, and he was worthless to the Jews. But he was their representative to the Roman Empire. He was very jealous, as history proves. He killed people in his own family because he was jealous of his throne. 
And to be called the king of the Jews and to be born into that moment puts a target on your back. And later on, he would kill all the children two years and younger to preserve his place as the king. Insane as he was, that's the kind of a guy he was. And so when they stepped out of their, their hidden place to go to the temple, it would have been a vulnerable thing. But they went because the law required this to be done. Never mind, he's the savior of the world. He's also born of flesh. He's part of the kingdom, yes. He is the head of the kingdom, yes. But in this moment, he submits himself and his parents submit him to the, 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 the words of the law to do what's right before the Lord. The next thing that happens is equally interesting. Mary also submitted to the obligations taught in Scripture, Luke 22 through 24, when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice for what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, which, which proves to us the fact that these kids were extremely poor. Because if you had more wealth, you would offer a different sacrifice. And so they came to the temple this day. Now, here's the, here's the good news about all of this. Is it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that they stayed in Jerusalem quite a little, I mean, pardon me, in Bethlehem quite a little while after the birth. And uh, basically, we'll, we'll talk about here, that here in just a minute as well. But it also shows that they put themselves into a place as point number three says, find encouragement, clarity, and understanding from godly encounters. What we see and hear in these experiences strengthens us for the inevitable dry seasons and difficult times. They put themselves in an environment by being obedient to do what they knew to do. Here's the thing. We would like the Lord to give us a calendar of events stretching out into infinity. So we know every day what we're supposed to do and, and what's going to happen for us. It's kind of we can just cruise through life. Here's the way it works. When I am obedient to what I know today, I put myself in a position for the Lord to reveal more to me because I've been faithful over the little I have and I'll get to be ruler over more as I'm obedient. So they didn't realize when they went down to the temple to, to, to fulfill her obligations for purification and, and, and to bring him and have him named that they would run into the next revelation. After pastoring all the years I have, I, I'm amazed at how many times people have come to a service and just a flippant comment or, or, a, or a thought that wings its way into the preacher's mind as they're sitting out there answers the question they've been praying about for a long time and opens up a new chapter. If you weren't there, and can I just say this? Everybody wants to come for counseling, and that's fine. But I can't tell you the number of times that what we preached on Sunday was the answer to the question that they brought on Monday. 
I said, well, were you in church yesterday? No, we didn't make it yet. You could have saved yourself a trip over here, and you could have saved me from hearing your story. Don't look at me like that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you don't want to ask anybody, how are you doing? Uh-huh. I've gone to, I've gone to Medlin now, but it's the truth. Here's the thing. They had no clue, but they did the right thing. And who did they run into? <laughs> These godly encounters. You know, Mary began to listen to what had been said in each of these encounters. The, the Bible tells us in Luke 2.19 that she kept these things and pondered them in her heart. The words of the angels, the words of the shepherds, Elizabeth's prophecy. That was so amazing. There hadn't been a prophet in Israel for 400 years. No prophets, no voice of God had been heard in 400 years. No priest. No one, no prophet raised up. And on the day that Mary entered Elizabeth's house, a spirit of prophecy fell on her as the spirit filled her as John kicked in her womb. And the Bible says he was filled from the, from the womb with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth heard a voice and prophesied, why has the mother of my Lord come to me? Yeah. What? Really? Women weren't even, they didn't have a place in ministry. And God said, I think I'll, I think I'll open my voice through this little lady right here who lived many, many years as an outcast, even though she was the wife of a priest because she was infertile. I'm telling you, God has such a sense of humor. And he put his hand on her. She prophesied, why has the mother of my Lord come to me? And then Mary prophesies. And I mean, these two ladies just opened it right up. I mean, the, the, the revelation that, that priests had been looking for for years, who will be the Messiah? How will he come? So blah, 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 blah. And God just does it through two little ladies that don't have a clue before it happens. It's so amazing. Now they go to the temple. Just to do the right thing. They had no idea. Joseph didn't get up that day and say, hey, listen, Mary, we're going to find out today a whole bunch of stuff. We've got to go to church. He basically got up the same day that this was going to happen and probably was a little afraid to go because now there's, they're, they're, they're 40 days into this experience. Now the word has gotten out. There's whispers all over. Those shepherds are still going at it out there. And all of this stuff gets back to the big ears of Herod. And so they know that their, their, their time could be very difficult here, maybe may even really bad. But it says this, verse 25, here he was, a man named Simeon. This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation. It's a capital C in the Bible, which means the Messiah waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. You'll find people with the Holy Spirit on them if you come to church. If you don't, find another church. And it had been revealed to him 
That's not in the notes either, by the way. And it had been revealed to this man by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit. That means being led by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the Christ child to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms. He said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which are spoken of him. You never know when revelation is going to come. You just got to put yourself in the place to receive it. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You know, there's a, a bittersweet side to walking with the one whom the enemy of your soul hates. There's going to be issues. There's a conflict raging. It's been raging since the world began. Millions have fallen under the hatred and just literal cruelty of this enemy. There's a real side to this thing, folks. I don't know if you've heard the rising crescendo lately against Christians worldwide. It's largely Christians that are, that are standing against this pandemic mania and trying to get on with life. But it's amazing how somehow or other Christians have become the focus. It's not the Christians, it's the Jews. It's not, it's not by accident. There is a war against you. But there is a warrior who is for you. And I don't care how bad it gets, he's still the Lord of glory. Nothing takes him by surprise. He's not afraid of any of it. And he equips you and me for the battle that we're born into. But the warning is there. Mary, and she's pondering all this. And I bet you on that day that she stood before that cross, she was glad to know that this was not an accident because the Lord revealed it that day to her. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. And then not only that, right after that, the Magi show up. Now, we always think from, from you know, the, the culture that we've been in, the Christmas stories and all that, that the Magi showed up that night at the manger, but that's not true. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, 
Well, the Magi, it, it describes them and their journey before that. And then it says in verse 11, it says that when they had come into the house, it's not, it's not the inn, it's not the manger scene, it's none of that. When they came into the house, they saw the young child and Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Historians believe that Jesus would have been between 6 and 20 months of age by this time. And what happened, of course, when the, the wise men or the magi, the, these astronomers, came to the city, uh, for some reason or other, they intersected with Herod and told him what they were going to do, which would have been a normal practice to, to meet with the head of state when you come into his country. And they, they had obviously an expedition that they'd mounted to come all the way from Babylon, uh, which would have been Iraq, Iran. And so it was a long journey. And so they had an entourage. And any, any ruler would want to know what this entourage had in mind. And so they, they pre presented themselves to Herod apparently and let him know that they'd come to seek out the king of the Jews. And his big ears opened wide because he'd already heard the rumors. And so he, he wanted to conscript them to go find this Messiah, this king of the Jews, and report back to him so he could, quote, worship with them. Well, they went on their way, unbeknownst to them, uh, the evil of the man. They went on their way. And they presented themselves to uh, Joseph and Mary, which to me is still amazing. How does a star lead you somewhere? But they made it. And the bottom line is that God led them to this place because they were carrying something that the Messiah would need for the next chapter. You know, it, it is amazing that they furthered his ministry. Sometimes we, when Chris mentioned giving a little bit ago, it's an amazing thing when we realize that the people that do the public side of the ministry seem to get all the credit for it on earth. There's coming a day when those who provided share in the exact same reward that the, those that did the actual ministry got. I always think of the days when Paul was uh, getting ready to be uh, captured and killed. They were in a city and they heard about it. And there were some guys that let him down in a basket over a wall. Well, the fact of it is that those men that held the rope, the guy that owned the rope, the guy that deployed the rope, the guy that held the rope in the basket to let him down, were partners in everything else that Paul did from that point on. Without them, it wouldn't have happened. Are you there? Are you breathing? I can't see you very well. Just want to know that what we do in ministry is not a one-man show. This is not a performance that we have. This is a team that we have. And everything that would be accomplished at this church, any church, any ministry you can think of, God's keeping records. And what you've done in secret, the Lord will reward you openly for. What you have not done in secret, you're going to wish you had done in secret. Because everything, the books are going to be open one day. And when the books are open, these three uh, astronomers 
are going to have a hand in that. They were looking for the Messiah. They weren't looking for an earthly king. They were looking for a Messiah, and they found him. Which to me is just so amazing. And we go on to the, to the next idea here is number four, never be surprised by opposition. We were back in the, in the green room back here before service, and I, I made a comment that's pretty well known to uh, those of our generation. I said, you know, you're over the target when the flack is the heaviest. And a younger guy said, well, what, what's flack? And I said, well, yeah, well, flack is what the, the pilots in the, in the bombers in World War II experienced when they flew toward the targets in Germany and France and Belgium and all those places. And flak is an exploding shell, an artillery shell that was used effectively against aircraft. And so they'd fly from England over that way and, and it would be clear sailing until they got near the target. And then the flak would be bursting in front of them. You've seen probably uh, film clips of uh, bombers being hit where the wing cracks and the bomber falls out of the sky. That's what that was. And the, the saying came from that that you'll know you're over the target when the flak is the thickest. And may I suggest to you that when you are on target with the things of God, that you stir up enemies which are deployed to keep you from that mission. I wish it weren't so. I wish people were lining the roads, bowing down, and, and throwing money at us to do it. But I have found it just the opposite. And it's amazing how the Lord will test your resolve. When you've heard a word from God, there are going to be some in the temple that may see it. And there's going to be a whole lot outside which put up the flack. It's an amazing thing. And a lot of people have been diverted from the plans of God in their life and over their life because they have observed the flack and turned aside. There comes a moment when God has spoken to you that there comes a certainty in here. You just know that you know that you know. And there's been confirmation. And so you take it in stride. It's almost like a compliment who your enemies are. No one enjoys enemies. But be complimented by just who they are. Do I care what the media says about our our Savior and our mission as church people and Christians? Not in the least. Consider the source. Those of you that have an umbilical cord tied to CNN, you need to break it. Or MSNBC or any of the rest of them. They're not your friends. And they're not telling you the truth. It's hard to find truth. Because it doesn't pay well. Sorry, Josh, I know you're listening. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you, some of us need to get off the love boat onto the battleship. I was doing pretty good until that. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Here's the thing. Don't be surprised by opposition, guys. It, it's... The flesh and the devil both will oppose whatever is born of God. 
And God doesn't always remove opposition, but he will guide us as we navigate through it. You know, you can learn a lot by your, you know, by your, by your opposition too, because some of us can get pretty full of ourselves. And God can use our opposition to let us see how we are coming across. And that's no fun either. Uh, sometimes we have to repent before our enemies, you know, because they've been used of the Lord to show us some things about ourselves that we didn't really have an opportunity to, to come into contact with while people were praising us. Hmm. You could have stayed home and eaten donuts or whatever today, but here you are. So this is what I'm serving. You know, this whole thing uh, that, that I'm about to open up to you here is an exciting thing about walking in the Spirit. Number five, it's essential to stay flexible, teachable, sensitive, and submitted. It's likely that there will be some in-course corrections along the way. Matthew 2, 13 through 23 is an interesting, interesting uh, part of Scripture to me. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, Now when they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Hmm. When the wise men left, after that encounter, they had a fresh sense of God. And after that happened, the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He spoke to Joseph two times that we know of in this early part here. And, and both were in dreams. Some people he'll speak to in dreams uh, primarily. Maybe that's the only way he can get their attention. You know what I'm saying? Because they're unconscious. And the Lord can enter into that unconscious space and drop things into us. It's all through the Scriptures. can't happen. He got a dream. It said, arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt. What? And stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. How many of you know that the Lord could have punched uh, Herod's ticket anytime? I wonder about this. this. Is another question I've got. Why did you let that turkey live that long? Uh, sometimes you just got to ask the questions, but no answers come for those. But the Lord says, take it, take your son, get out of here. The Lord could have protected him. Lord, there were, there were times in Jesus' adult life where he just kind of disappeared into the crowd when they were trying to take him. How does the guy do that? It was a hostile crowd, yet he, he's able to just disappear into the crowd. It's amazing. But here... Here the Lord dictates. In fact, in the Old Testament, he said, I, my, my, I brought my child from Egypt. And so he'd already said that was what's going to happen. So everything's under control here, but it doesn't seem like that because the Lord's telling you to flee to save your child's life. He will seek the child to destroy him. What does Joseph do? He arose, <laughs> and he took the young child and his mother by night. He didn't wait till morning. He didn't get reservations on a camel somewhere. He just got up and got out of Dodge. They departed for Egypt, and it was there until the death of Herod. 
that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken to the Lord by the, by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and sent forth and sent forth and put to and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he determined from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by the, Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream again to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream again, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. Interesting now, his discernment is growing apparently because he was concerned about this very thing. And then the Lord confirmed it with a dream, which is a big deal you got to understand about walking with God is that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Just because you have something come to your mind, that thing needs to be laid on the altar until God confirms it with a second and third voice. Very important. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, that he shall be a Nazarene, or be called a Nazarene. Being called a Nazarene in that day and time was, was a low-life thing. It wasn't a positive thing at all. It was, it was a curse, basically, to be called a Nazarene. And I could back that up. We don't have time for that. But the bottom line of it is, isn't it amazing that the Lord would put his only begotten son in whom he's well pleased in a place where he'd be virtually cursed every time they, they ask where you're from? Amazing. Amazing. God almost packages everything so you have to have the right spirit to understand it. You'll miss it. You'll miss it otherwise. This situation shows us that we can't assume that our initial direction will not be updated at some point. It requires submissive engagement in a relationship of walking together with the Lord. He wants to go with us, not just send us. The pathway to success is seldom a direct route. Joseph heard about these in-course directions. The Lord had said, go back to Nazareth. But there was also this other issue that he interrupted with in the meantime. And number six, and I close. Get comfortable with obscurity. It's God's favorite proving ground. In a time when the younger generation all feels statistically that they're going to become famous. Let me just tell you, it's not what it's cracked up to be. Understand this, what God does, he does in obscurity best and first. 
And if he wants you to be well known, if he wants your name to be on the lips of thousands or maybe millions of people, understand there's a lot of work to be done or that success will ruin you. Matthew 2.23, Luke 1.80, 2 2.41, 52, goes on and on. Bottom line is this. John the Baptist, greatest prophet known born of women. Jesus, son of the living God, savior of the world, king of glory, sits at the right hand of God the Father. After this brief flurry of activity, we don't know anything till he's 12. And that's just for a couple of days. And then he goes back into obscurity until he's 30, living at home with his parents. Getting splinters in the carpenter shop. God does his best work in the dark, I'm telling you. So if you feel that you're invisible, if you feel you have very little to offer, if you feel like it's going to be forever before anybody knows your name, welcome to God's training program. There's an interesting thing. Your gift will bring you before great people. Proverbs tells us that. So wherever you are in this continuum today, let me tell you, God's no respecter of persons. He can use anybody to do anything his heart desires. If that somebody submits themselves, these steps I've talked about today are just illustrations. But I promise you, this pathway will work. Do the right thing every day, even if you're not excited about it. Put yourself in places where you imp you're impacted by godly people. Listen to your, your heart as the Lord begins to speak to you. You're going to be amazed at what God can do. Would you stand to your feet? Folks, there is nothing more exciting than to receive a call of God on your life. Nothing. Nothing. You were created for it. There's such a God-shaped vacuum inside every human being that he wants to fill. And he doesn't want our lives to be inconsequential. He wants us to make a dent. He wants us to be, be, a, be an embassy wherever we are, where his glory and his kingdom can be manifested. What I want you to hear me say today is that you are not invisible. You are not a throwaway. You're made in the image of God. You're called to reflect him to a whole world around. And no matter how great the darkness, the least light penetrates it. So maybe you're here today to say, I've never really seen it that way. I just felt like I just needed fire insurance to keep from going to hell. Or maybe, maybe you feel like, well, you know, I made a commitment to the Lord one time and nothing's really happened in my life since. Maybe, maybe not. Whatever the case is, he's the great I am. He's not past tense. He's not future. He's present. And he's calling you today to give place to him for your salvation. You got to just say, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you like every other human being on the planet. But I hear 
And if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive them and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Think of it, a clean record. Acceptance before God the Father. It's yours for the taking. If you're here today that you've made that decision before, but maybe it's got a little cloudy. Maybe, maybe life has been tough. Maybe you've begun to wonder if God really loves you. Well, I can tell you this, that that's a deception. And today, if you would just open up your heart to him and get yourself cleansed from whatever has clouded your, your, your perspective, confess to him. He'll bring you back. He'll love you. He'll fill you. And he'll use your life. And there's nothing better on the planet. Would you just lift your hands to him this morning? Say, oh, pastor, that's like kid stuff. Why do we do that? Well, the Bible says to lift up, men everywhere ought to lift up holy hands without wrath or without doubting. Don't be mad. And don't live with a cloud of doubt over your head. God is who he says he is. Always will be. He's there for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus today, as we celebrate the coming, we celebrate a baby, but a baby loaded with the potential that only you can bring. He was a pattern for us. So, Lord, today, would you, would you just speak to hearts here today? Would you just renew your commitment to them as they renew their commitment to you? Lord, would you come today and direct us? For some that stumbled in this room today and walked on, got online and maybe heard something, shocked them, penetrated that fog, I pray that they'll take it and as Mary did, ponder it in their hearts. Build a life around it. So Lord, we bless you today till you come. Help us to occupy. Help us to serve. Help us to bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the week.